Southeast Radio's morning mix. Chat, news, and your views. Alan Corcoran. I'm joined now by Independent Deputy Verona Murphy. Good morning to you, Verona. Good morning, Alan. Verona, I'll give you a chance to respond immediately to what we've heard there from Wayne Cox. This is very worrying. It is very worrying, and I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with Wayne. Having visited the fire station in New Ross and spoke with Andrew Welch and his colleagues, you and I both know that the fire service is one frontline service that we cannot do without for any length of time. And it's very disappointing, Alan, to see the narrative being put out there by government that our firefighters are letting us down. All the public at large and anyone I've spoken to are fully aware it's not possible or sustainable for anybody to join the service under the current retainer structure and to gain employment within the five kilometre radius or the set criteria. They're just not able to provide for their families. They're not able to get a mortgage. They have the highest incident rate of divorce in the country in any sector simply because they have such a sense of duty in which, albeit that often they are unable to make ends meet as families, they still provide the service that's required as frontline workers. I think it's despicable that Minister O'Brien visited and opened the infrastructure, which is New Ross Fire Station, last November and gave a solemn undertaking to the firefighters on that day that he would have this issue resolved by Christmas of 2022. And I'm calling on him, albeit that it's six months later, to prevent any risk to the public occurring by ensuring that this strike is averted by agreeing future pay agreements with our very precious and admired firefighters who are being entirely reasonable yeah. in what they're asking for. I mean, it, it sounds reasonable to me, and I mean, I have to be non-judgmental, and I mean, I, I was led to believe that this may well have been resolved long before this, but obviously it hasn't. Uh, have you any idea, listening to what, what, what Wayne has said there, and on the basis of what the government is saying, can you f- formulate an opinion as to why it hasn't happened, why it hasn't got across uh, the Well, line? I think ultimately what you have is a minister who talks the talk, but can't walk the walk, and I, on the floor of the door, when I brought this issue to him, he gave me an undertaking that this would be sorted out and that strike action would be averted. Well, we're very close to the deadline. You heard tomorrow, Gory and New Ross fire stations will not be serviced. I think the reality is that government, although they're awash with money from corporate taxation, that corporate taxation didn't just come from the corporate entities. It's it's our fire services who service them, our medics, our schools who teach the children who eventually end up working there, our universities. We have got to start to resource our frontline services. That includes the Gardaí. That includes medical staff. Alan, Section 39, which we greatly depend on as service users, particularly in Wexford, we have the highest portion of Section 39, are being depleted of revenues. Yet every government department has doubled their budgets in the last five years, but they expect all of these services and people to operate virtually on the same money that they were operating on five years ago and maybe less in some cases. This is not sustainable and government needs to wake up and smell the coffee before we don't have a fire service, before we don't have a properly resourced on Garda Shea Kona. We 
have a deficit of 4,000 employees in our defence forces that would ordinarily probably come to our aid in, an, in, a, in a time like this. But we should be averting it at all costs and we should look after our frontline workers. Are you likely to raise this issue in Dáil Éireann again this week? Most certainly I am. I have raised it before. I have kept in touch with New Ross, which is my like my local fire station, Andrew Walsh, Wayne. I've discussed it with Wayne. We keep in touch. But I think the reality is their proposal is absolutely reasonable and should be honoured. Uh, you, you came on to discuss uh, mental health services, which I'll get on to in a second, but there are some Morning Mix listeners who have sent in questions in relation to the lack of response from the government over the tornado seven months ago. Uh, not an answer to a phone call, not even a text, says uh, this caller. There's two comments already have come in on this particular issue. Um, uh, can you ask Verona to see if she can get any answers? From our so-called government, says this strongly worded text, for the people in folks' mails that were affected by the tornado. Seven months on, what's the update on this? And unfortunately, uh, those people are very, very angry and I've had correspondence with them of late, but I think the reality is everything is moving too slow. We did have a meeting first, as you know, set up by Deputy Paul Kehoe with Minister Coveney. It was the wrong line manager. We ended up with um, Minister Heather Humphreys over a month ago now. That meeting was constructive. It was attended by Brendan Howland, James Brown and myself and Paul Kehoe. And I think the reality is that the agreement was that the minister would try to come up with a scheme and see if it was possible um, and come back to us within three weeks. Three weeks was Friday fortnight. I emailed and asked for an update. I haven't received an update and I would ask Deputy Kehoe to maybe come forward with uh, an answer or some form of a briefing from Minister Humphreys that we can go back to the people who have been very seriously affected. I mean, Alan, there there is certainly one individual left homeless by the serious weather event and that's what we can expect for the future and I think it's incumbent on government to plan for serious weather events like this. I mean, they plan for flood Nobody ever, ever expected that a tornado would occur in the south district of County Wexford. And I think I'm just pleading with those in power to come up with a solution and to look after these people. It's it's awful to have to say that if this happened in Dublin 4, it would have been resolved in seven weeks, not seven months. So I'd ask Deputy Kehoe maybe to to come back to us and uh, let us know what's happening. I mean, uh, the sense I'm getting from particularly one of the texts I've got in here is that it's Im- impacting on people's mental well-being as well as their physical and financial well-being. It's having a devastating effect on, on, on certain people within the area. Yes, it is, and I'm in touch with them. And I look at at the time, uh, certain councillors attended meetings and told them to fill out these forms. There would be recompense and there would be no issue. Some people did that and they were rejected, and uh, which is exactly what I had said would happen. And that's not good enough. It's a double whammy. It's adding insult to injury. And I think they now have to take responsibility and ensure that their government comes up with a solution that can at least in some way go towards the damage, repairing the damage that was caused. Right. And in some instances... We understand that people weren't insured, but the reality is, in some instances, 
it wasn't an insurable uh, risk at the time and a tornado is not something that we expect every day of the week. So we need to plan for these weather events but we also need to look after those who have been seriously affected. And I mentioned about the negative mental health impact it's having which leads me into the main talking point with you this morning. The standards in some public mental health services are simply unacceptable and could lead to centres being removed from the register. The Mental Health Commission has warned this came out last Friday. It was flagged by John Farley, the Chief Executive of the Mental Health Commission, as something that could not be ignored if the state wished to meet minimum standards for mental health services. It's something that you have been quite vocal on as well. What's your reaction to the comments attributed to John Farley, please? Well, who could disagree with John Farley? I mean, any of the families that are uh, serviced by the mental health in Wexford will know that there are huge deficits. For instance, Alan, although the Minister has uh, um, told us we can have a paediatric dietitian to our CAMS unit, over six months ago, no dietitian has yet been appointed. And I think there has always been recruitment and retention issues, but there are more than ever the the retention issue is at play simply because many of our uh, staff are working in substandard environments and that particularly is what Mr Farley says and he goes on to say that individual care plans are the blueprint for residents care treatment and eventual recovery and while clinical leadership was evident in some centers in others the basic concept of care planning does not seem to have been understood or appreciated. And I think when goals are vague and meaningless, well then we cannot have a developed service for users. And I think that's what we have to focus on now. John Farley is a great advocate. The Mental Health Commission have been steadfast in their reporting on mental health. But I think what we're seeing are the consequences of years of underfunding of our mental health service. And just as the topic before our firefighters, if we continue to underfund and under-resource and undervalue these services, we are going to end up in crisis. And we know our health service is in crisis. Uh, 2,040 involuntary admissions to centres in 2022 compared to 2,549 in 2021. Um, What does that tell us? Involuntary admissions. Involuntary, meaning that by guardie at the instance of some, either a parent or somebody, you know, close to that person. Look, I think it tells us that things are not getting better and that we are not providing the service that is required. And in many instances, we are not. For instance, we don't have any paediatric service in the Department of Psychiatry in Washford. It is an adult service and often, more often than anybody would, it, as a matter of fact, it should never happen. But we are placing young teenagers and children in the DOP in Waterford. I think that is actually more damaging to their mental health than if they were to be provided with no service. It may be a short-term safeguard, but it's not the answer. And we have got to start to invest in mental health services for the future of the next generation and for all the generations to come, simply because the evolving social media aspect of life, all of these things are at play for children and teenagers more than ever they were. Things that I didn't contend with, Alan, or you. You know, you went out and you kicked the ball and you got over things, but we didn't have to contend with the onslaught of sometimes what is just bullying 
on social media and different things like that. So I think yeah. our health service has to be seen as an investment. And I think John Farley, the Mental Health Commission, um, the mental, any mental health advocate will tell you we are not investing and there are, we are now seeing the consequences of that. What's really disturbing is the Commission found 33 instances of overcapacity in approved mental health centres last year. It also saw, as you mentioned there, the continued use of adult mental health units for children with 20 cases reported of children being admitted to 11 different adult units and that is something, I know you've touched on it there but uh, instances of overcapacity in a, in a very worrying environment, that, that must be really distressing, cause a lot of distress for the people themselves and their families Look, at I think it, it, I can't even imagine what it would be like and I think the impact of, you will see that many of the admissions that are involuntary are because maybe prior um, accessing of the DOP in Waterford and somebody won't go back because it is an environment that nobody wishes to be in. And we have got to improve on that. We have got to understand incidents are increasing. And why do we have a commission, Alan, if they're not going to be listened to? I mean, it's typical of the HSE. They can talk the talk. Ministers talk the talk. But when it comes to walking the walk, I attended Mass in Ballandagan on, on Saturday last for mental health organised by Patrick Hipwell, who is a, a huge advocate and has been over the years. It's the eighth year Mass has taken place to a full church. And I can tell you something, the mental health, unfortunately, what we see every year are people in attendance who have had a bereavement due to mental health. Uh, illness. And I think this is where we have got to stop and look at what we're doing. If we're not investing, things cannot get better. This is something that's ongoing and on the increase and we have to look at it that way and start to invest. Before we conclude our conversation with you this morning, you've just issued a press release uh, in relight, uh, regarding to the revelations brought to light by Paul Cunningham of RTE. Can you tell us what this is about, please? Well, I think in identifying all of the places where we need to invest money, this is one of the places where we don't have oversight of money spent. Our local authorities, countrywide, 31 local authorities have the benefit of €6 billion annually. And there is very little oversight. And reported by RTE's Paul Cunningham yesterday was the fact that there is a 20 million deficit occurring in Dublin City Council for an underspend in PRSI contributions or or it was to that effect where the authorities, basically Dublin City Council, miss... um, what's the word I'm looking for, they basically allocated the wrong PRSI allocation to employees in which the authority themselves paid less out. At 2.35%, they should have been paying 11%. We now see a 20 million deficit. And you yourself said today that we have an issue arising in Wexford County Council. And what I am about, I'm a member of the Public Accounts Committee, And I believe that the public spending, at all times, the public should receive value for money. And NOAC, which is the National Oversight and Auditing Commission, that it audits county councils and it looks after um, certain things, but they're not answerable to anybody. And there is no accountability 
through NOAC. However, there would be if it was under the remit of the controller and auditor general. If they were given sight, it certainly would would uh, make them accountable. There's an accounting officer, which is the county manager in all of our local authorities. And things like today, for instance, there's to be a vote in Wexford County Council today on a land swap in, in the core town district. Mm. And that will be all county councillors. But there is no evidence and there is no report that says this is value for money. It is public money and it should be brought under the remit of the controller and auditor general. Mm. And what we need to see, and proof is certainly what was reported yesterday at Dublin City Council, we need to see accountability. And we must move immediately now. I, I will be calling on the Minister tomorrow to move immediately to disband NOAC and bring the local authority under the remit of the Controller and Auditor General so as that local authorities who have evaded accountability since the formation of NOAC in 2014 will be made accountable to the Controller and Auditor General. Southeast Radio's Morning Mix. Chat, news and your views.